believes that this morning? Who believes that right there? Come on. <laughs> so the little girl who did the voiceover for that is actually Tyler Shield, who's our creative arts pastor. It was his daughter. She's eight years old. Winter. Can we give it up for Winter? Did she do a great job? Man, I don't know if that song like wrecks you, but I've been singing that now for the last three services and I'm getting all Pentecostal up over here. I'll tell you what, golly, death is never gonna hold him. That's why we gather today, right? Death is never gonna hold him. And if we will put our trust and faith in him, it's never gonna hold us. Come on, somebody, let's give it up for why we gather today. Why we gather? Because the resurrection is real. It's not just a story you learned about in Sunday school that Jesus really did walk out of a grave, that we worship a living God this morning. And we're so incredibly grateful for all of you that have joined us, but I wanna say a couple things to maybe some few, a few specific people. First, for those of you that came and you're here right now and you're still kind of wondering like, why am I here? <laughs> like, why did I say yes? And maybe you're here because you're honoring your mom or dad. Maybe you're here because you're honoring uh, grandma or grandpa. And if that's part of your story, I wanna say thank you. Like, thanks for coming and honoring them in that way. I think that's honorable. Uh, some of you might be here because you've had a friend that's been bugging you for a long time, right? And they've been inviting you over and over and over again, like, hey, come check out this church. And so you came out of respect for them or to show them support. And if that's your story, thank you. Thank you for accepting that invitation. Maybe some of you are here today because you're curious. Like something's been happening inside of you here recently. Maybe God's been prompting you helping you to see that he's got greater purposes for your life, but you're not sure what that means. You're not sure what that looks like. And so maybe you showed up here today out of curiosity. And I wanna let you know that my prayer for you all week, because I've been coming in this room all week praying, is that God would give you clarity today. That every single one of us would see potentially a step that we could take that would put us closer into the purposes of God and what Jesus is calling us to do and how he's calling us to live. And so I pray you get some clarity today. For the rest of us, uh, we gather today because we understand the significance of this day. The fact that we are gathered with billions, with a B, billions of other Christians all around the world right now, celebrating the risen Jesus. Celebrating the fact that because Jesus walked out of that grave, because the resurrection is a reality, that our lives can be redeemed. <laughs> that no matter how, how messy your story is, no matter what is following you, that God can restore your life. He can redeem even the ugliest parts of your story. And you just need to know this from me, coming from a guy that's got a rap sheet, coming from a guy who's got his fair share of things that he regrets, the reality of the resurrection and the fact that I can be restored to my heavenly father, wow. I wanna take a moment and just pray for that right now. God, thank you. I pray that the reality of what I've already said and what we've already sung together and what I'm gonna say, God, I pray that the reality of the resurrection sinks a little bit more deeply into our soul today. I pray that if Jesus has been in the periphery at all, that he'll come in to focus today. I pray that for those that may be walking here today, even with reluctance, that you would give them clarity that you've got a purpose for their life, God. You created them on purpose and for a purpose. So God, give us all clarity today, God. I pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen. 
All right, well, what I'd like to do today is I'd like to read to you um, Matthew's gospel account of the resurrection story. And what I'm gonna do is I'm going to point out something specifically towards the end of the story, and then we're gonna pivot from there. And what I feel like God has led me to share today, some of you, I believe, are really going to appreciate. Some are going to appreciate more than others. And so let's jump into Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse one. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Now, remember, Jesus has been in the tomb for three days. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and he sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. The angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said, I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Come on, somebody, go ahead and say amen this morning. Just as he said would happen, come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you, the angel said. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and he greeted them and they ran to him. They grasped his feet, they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and I will see them there. Now, I think it's worth noting that both the angel and Jesus had to remind the women to follow through on what they asked him to do. Don't we feel this as husbands on a daily basis? It's a joke, it's a joke, it's a joke. And the reason it's a good joke is because the opposite is usually true, right? That's why you gotta see the irony in that joke. Settle down, let's move on. <laughs> let's take a moment and just allow the dust to settle on this passage. Because if we're not careful, we'll come in and we'll go through the Easter routine and we'll read the passage and we'll say our amens and we'll leave. But I wanna let the dust settle because what we just read is the moment in time that started the biggest movement this world has ever seen. Nobody can argue that. What we just read was the beginning of what we now call Christianity, but the beginning of the biggest movement this world has ever seen. Sometimes people are mistaken to think, oh, we get Christianity from the Bible. We don't get Christianity from the Bible. We have a Bible because hundreds of people saw a resurrected Jesus and decided that it would probably be smart and through the prompting and the power of the Holy Spirit to sit down and record what they saw and what they witnessed so that 2,000 years later, you and I could sit down and read what they experienced. That's a big deal. We have a Bible in our hands today because some people knew that this was the moment that would change the world. You see, without the resurrection, all we have is a guy named Jesus who was a great teacher. He claimed to be the Messiah. Some people saw him do some miracles, but most people didn't. He was crucified by the Roman Empire underneath the pressure of the religious leaders of their day. And it's probably worth noting that when his closest friends and followers saw him on that cross, they thought it was over. They scattered. You see, they saw their hopeful Messiah be, being beaten and flogged within an inch of his life. He was belittled 
and mocked even by the criminals on each side of him on the cross. They saw their hopeful Messiah being nailed to a cross and he didn't do anything to stop it. There was no rebuttal. There was no rebuke. There was no rally cry from Jesus while he's being crucified on a cross, the most horrible, torturing death you can possibly imagine. There was no rally cry for God to send a legion of angels to come to his defense. And so you have to imagine that that once vibrant faith of his closest followers was now being replaced with fear and doubt. And you might be surprised how deep that doubt went. Let me show you something. In Matthew 28, verse 16, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them still doubted. Can you imagine that? Like you're looking at the resurrected Jesus and you still doubt. And that should beg the question, why? Why would, why would they still and continue to doubt when they're looking at the resurrected Jesus right in front of them? What I'll tell you next is incredibly important. Hold on to this. They doubted because what they expected was not what they experienced. You see, they were expecting a conquering king, someone that would come in and make little work of the Roman empire, someone that would come in and take over, but that's not what they got. And for what it's worth, that was never God's agenda. And the reason their doubt went so deep was because their faith and hope was misplaced. Can I say that again? The reason their doubt went so deep is because their faith and their hope was misplaced. If some of you were forced to be honest today, you would have to admit that you have some doubts. And some of you would probably say that those doubts go deep. Because when it comes to church, when it comes to environments like this, when it comes to people like this, when it comes to Christians, there was a moment in time that what you expected is not what you experienced. And I wanna give you permission today to admit that. You don't need my permission. But if it helps, I wanna give you permission today to admit that, that that's not okay. But I also want you to at least acknowledge that it's possible that your doubts have caused your faith to drift because your hope was misplaced. Something that we say a lot around this church is that this is a place where you can belong before you believe. And the reason why we believe that sentiment is so important and why we recommunicate it a lot is because unfortunately the church hasn't done a good job at that. Historically, the church has not done a good job of letting people know that if you need to wrestle with God a little bit, if you need to have a safe place where you can voice some honest questions that you have, the church should be a safe place to do that. And listen, like for the sake of empathy, some of us maybe that didn't have any bad church experience or Christian context experiences need to be careful to just dismiss the people who have. Because if you sit in my seat for long enough and you hear the kind of stories that I hear for long enough, then you will realize that when people expected something that they should have expected from a church, let's be clear, 
that they should have been able to expect and experience from a church. When that got really skewed and twisted, it completely warped who they think God is. And if you happen to be here today and you haven't had any of those experiences, praise God. But be very slow to dismiss those who have. Be very slow to say, get over it. Be very slow to not extend empathy. Because once again, you sit in my seat long enough and you will hear some horror stories that if I experienced what other people experience, I probably wouldn't understand who God is or trust places like this either. Maybe some of you grew up in a context, um, maybe if you're Gen X, or the Gen Xers in the room, any Gen Xers? That's horrible. We obviously need to, <laughs> just need to go home after that. But uh, so I'm 43. If you're around my generation or older, there's a good chance you grew up in what I would call a country club church. Country club church is, hey, we got membership. And in order for you to be a member, you got to do these things. And even though maybe it wasn't said out loud, you got to act this way. Maybe even dress this way. Even though those things weren't spoken, they were expected, weren't they? And unfortunately, what happens is if, when you grow up in the context of a country club church, you do one of two things. You see that it's a big facade and you leave or you just keep pretending. If that was anybody's experience, I don't know if this will do anything for you today, but I just wanna let you know it's not supposed to be that way. I wanna let you know that we are not a country club church. We often refer to ourselves as a messy church. And the reason why when you get on our website, the very first sentence that you see is that it says, this is the place you can stop pretending. Because for some of you that grew up in that context where you felt like you needed to pretend, man, it's poison for your soul, isn't it? Keeping up with that facade, acting like you got it more together than you really do, not feeling like there's a safe environment to communicate your brokenness and what's really happening behind the scenes in your life. I mean, think about it. Pretending is embracing something that isn't true. Pretending is masking over some of the messier parts of our lives so that we can be perceived a certain way, maybe even by a specific group of people. This is why I would say that social media has the potential to be incredibly toxic because you're comparing your life to someone else's lie. I'm preaching this morning. <laughs> Jesus didn't die and overcome death for who you pretend to be. Can I say that again? Jesus didn't die and overcome death for who you pretend to be. He died and he overcame death for who he created you to be. Those nails, those nails didn't hold him to the cross. Those nails they put in his hands and in his feet, they didn't hold him to the cross. You know what kept him on that cross? You did. His love for you did. He knew what needed to be accomplished. He knew what was coming in between you and your heavenly father. Today, let me back up and say this. He never invited you into a life of pretension. He invited you into a life of redemption. Today, I wanna to invite some of you to stop pretending. Stop pretending it didn't happen. 
Stop pretending that you're not overwhelmed. Stop pretending that you have it all together. Stop pretending that you don't have doubts. You see, I personally believe that pretending keeps you off the path of transformation. That's what God wants for you. I believe the path of transformation actually starts with transparency. If you were to ask me, what's the opposite of pretending? I would tell you it's transparency. It's actually revealing what is true, right? That's what transparency is. Transparency is finally revealing what is true. And Jesus says that when it's his truth, it'll set you free from brokenness and bondage. Somebody help me preach this morning who the sun sets free. It's free indeed. And on that path, living in that freedom, ultimately you will arrive at a transformed life. That's why Jesus defeated death for who he created you to be, not who you pretend to be. And he wants to put you on a path of transformation. But that begins with transparency and revealing what is true. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Can I say it differently this morning? Don't conform any longer to the pattern of pretending, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Anybody else confused about their calling in life? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I wanna take a moment and I wanna talk with a select group of people in this room, or maybe those that are watching online or maybe watching at a later time because somebody sends this to you. Right now, some of you would have to admit that you're struggling with faith. You would still say that there's a seed of faith deep within your soul. There's some pseudo belief there. But again, if you were to be honest, you would say you struggle with environments like this and with people like me and probably for good reason. I would tell you some of the saddest moments that I have as a pastor is talking with people who have deep doubts in their faith because what they expected is not what they experienced. And again, to be fair, what they expected was what they should have been able to expect from a church or a Christian leader or a pastor. Stories of deep betrayal from leaders that you thought you could trust, spiritual abuse and control from people, mostly men in positions of spiritual authority. I've heard stories of sexual abuse from church leaders where sexual advances were made once the trust had been built. And I just wanna let you know that if that is remotely a part of anyone's story, I am sorry. It's not supposed to be that way. Maybe at one point in your faith journey, you were dismissed or disregarded because you're a woman. Or maybe it's because you were wayward. <laughs> That's my story. And you made some big mistakes and you owned up to them. You know that they were big mistakes and you, you expected some discipline or maybe the better word is accountability from the leaders of the church that you were a part of, but what you weren't expecting was the deep condemnation that was put in your direction and the complete lack of grace. And if that's anybody's story, I'm sorry. It's not supposed to be that way. Maybe for you, it had something to do with a mental illness. And maybe your church's silence on that particular subject made it even harder to deal with. It was something that you've struggled with for a long time. Maybe you still have it to this day. And so you thought you'd seek out some spiritual guidance. 
because you were struggling. There was some deep despair inside of you. You didn't know what to do with that. And so you sought out somebody that you trusted. Maybe it was a pastor or a spiritual leader. And they looked at you and said, hey, if you just had enough faith, if you just prayed harder, you wouldn't deal with any of that. If that's anyone's story, I'm sorry. It is not supposed to be that way. Maybe you grew up in a hyper-spiritual context where you were kind of forced to go through these spiritual motions. And as long as you go through these spiritual motions, then you're considered a good Christian. And so you kept going through those spiritual motions even though you felt empty inside, there was no connection. And ultimately you kind of figured out as you aged a little bit, you know what, I'm faking this. And if I'm faking this, can I believe in any of it? So maybe you walked away from the church. Maybe you're here today still wondering, is any of this stuff real? If that's you and that's a remote, remotely a part of any of your stories, I'm sorry, it is not supposed to be that way. Maybe some of you would say there was a moment in time in the past where you were on fire in your faith and you were ready to do whatever it was that God was gonna call you into and call you to do. You were on fire and you had some, you had some people in your life that you trusted. Maybe it was a husband, maybe it was a dad and you had an immense amount of respect for them until you learned about the affair. And the hypocrisy was so deep, it wounded you so deep that you decided to walk away from it all, not knowing if you could ever trust anybody again. If that's anyone's experience, I wanna let you know that I'm sorry. It is not supposed to be that way. And for what it's worth, part of my story is wrapped up in one of the examples that I just gave you. But now maybe some of us can identify with the disciples because what we expected is not what we experienced. And so now we can see these disciples looking at the resurrected Jesus right in front of them and still doubting that this is possibly true. Doubt can go so deep, ready, when faith and hope are misplaced. It's probably worth noting that the disciples, all of them later came around and realized that Jesus really was and is who he said he was and is. He didn't come to conquer the Roman Empire. He came to conquer sin and death for you and me. And for what it's worth, nothing can come in between you and God's love for you. Not the Roman Empire, no dictator, no king, no politician, no parent, no husband, no wife, no child can come in between you and God's love for you. Should you be able to trust those people? Yes. Is it likely that out of that host of different people that I just mentioned that somebody's gonna let you down? Yes, which is why God is looking at every single one of us today and saying, yes, I want you to have faith and trust in people, but the only trust and hope that will never return void is in my son, Jesus. The only hope, the only faith that will never return void is in my son, Jesus. God never asked us to put our complete faith and hope in a church, to put our complete faith and hope in a parent or experience or any of that. He's called us to put our complete faith and hope 
in Jesus. I would admit to you today that there have been times in my life where my faith and my hope was misplaced. And it did cause me to question some things. It caused me to rethink some things. Maybe some of you can identify with that today. I know some of you are here right now with secrets that have scarred you deep within your soul. But more than that, I know that the healing God desires for you is more powerful than the wounds that have been inflicted upon you. Just leave that up for a bit, Jan. If somebody wants to take a picture of that, I know that. I've experienced that. The healing that God desires for your life is so much more powerful than any moment in your past, any event that ever took place, any church experience, any experience on the other side of a Christian that you thought you could trust. And God wants some of you to know today that you're not running from that experience. You're not even running from that moment. You're not running from that church. You're not running from that parent. You're not running from that Christian. You're running from him. God is looking at all of us today and saying, don't run from me. I'm the only one that can restore you. I'm the only one that can redeem your story. Even those things that have happened in your past and those experiences that you've had, maybe on the other side of a church or a Christian, I can even redeem that crap. And to be clear, this is God speaking. I know it's kind of weird. He did not want that to happen to you. I could preach a whole nother sermon on how unhealthy it is for us to say sometimes, everything happens for a reason. As if God wanted that to happen? No, let's make it really clear. God never wanted sin to happen, amen? And a lot of those things you can quickly assign sin to. But God's promise is that he'll even redeem that stuff. That he'll even restore those parts of your story but you gotta stop running from him. Why not let today be the day that you stop running from God? I can say this with absolute certainty, he wants you back. He wants you back. Let today be the day that you invite the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power that we came to celebrate today into your life to heal some of the deepest wounds that most people don't even know exist. I know some of you are scared. I know some of you have wounds that go deep. But I also know that God can replace that weariness with a new purpose and will for your life. I'm living proof of it. Let me close by reading to you from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. He says, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Thank you, Jesus. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. Stop running. Let him redeem your story. I promise you, your faith and hope in him will never be misplaced.
When I say come back, you say to God, come back. Come back. Come back. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Church, that is the Easter message. Let me pray. Father, I know some people in here are feeling something right now, maybe something that you spoke through me, maybe just the power of your Holy Spirit. And I know the tendency for some will be to push that conviction away. I remember what that was like. I know the tendency for some will be like, no, 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 I didn't prepare for this today. I don't wanna deal with anything deep today. But God, help them to see that the best thing they can do today is stop running from you. Stop pushing you away. The only person that can redeem every part of their story, that can heal every wound in their heart. God, I pray that you would move powerfully in and through this room today and give give people what they need. I know there are stories in here that would probably bring a lot of us to tears. I know some people are still trying to unravel some of the things that happened to them in a, in a place like this and listening to a person like me and how that was being manipulated. And I know that's gonna take some time to unravel, but I pray that they invite you into it to begin that process of healing today. God, I know what you're capable of. And I think I can speak for a lot of people in this room and I hope they share this sentiment when I say, we know what you're capable of, God. We know that through the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that miracles can happen in this room today. That healing can happen in this room today, that relationships can be restored today, that someone's story that they thought could never be redeemed because of how ugly it is, God, that it can be fully restored today. And you'll use even the ugly crap for your glory if we'll completely surrender. God, we know what you're capable of. Allow a movement of your Holy Spirit in and through this room today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna lead us into a time of response. And if you're new here to Trace, we do this every week and we celebrate the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus through something called communion also known as the Lord's Supper. Maybe you came from a tradition where it was called the Eucharist. And the way we do it here at Trace is around the room, there are tables anywhere you see a cross, there will be a table, there's some tables down here on the front of the stage and back by the booth. And on those tables are some crackers that represent the body of Jesus. And we take those crackers and we dip them in some juice that represents his blood. And we're reminded that God so loved the world Say it differently. For God so loved you, and you, and you, and you, and you, that he gave his only son. If you'll believe in him, you'll never die, but be given the promise of eternal life, the hope of heaven. For those of you that believe that and have put your faith and trust in Christ, I'm gonna invite you to come forward and celebrate in communion in just a few moments. But for those of you that are here today, and maybe you've never made that decision You've never given your life 
fully to God. Maybe there's been some pseudo faith or belief there, but you've never fully surrendered to Jesus. I wanna invite you to do that today. And so in just a few moments when we all respond, I wanna encourage you to come up here and grab one of these white towels and then come over and talk to one of my friends over here. And they're gonna lead you into the back and they're gonna to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. And the very first thing that Jesus tells us to do when we've surrendered our life to him is to get baptized. And the reason that's so important, it's a beautiful representation. The reason we make such a big deal about that in this church is because based on what Romans 6 says, we're actually sharing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus when we're baptized. Now, as a church, we don't teach that that moment saves you. We believe that a repentant heart saves you when you confess. But baptism is incredibly significant. When you go underneath the waters of baptism, it is a sign of you dying to your way of life. It's like a spiritual death that you're dying, you're dying to your way of life only to come up out of that water and walk a new life with Christ. I wanna encourage some of you to make that decision today. Now, others that are in here, maybe you've been following Jesus, maybe you love Jesus, you've surrendered your life to him, but for whatever reason, that description that I just gave you of baptism, nobody's ever given you that description before. And maybe your parents did something that is honorable when you were a baby and they had you sprinkled. But when we see baptism in the new covenant, we never see a parent doing it to a child. It's always the person's decision before an almighty God to make that decision themselves. And so if somebody ever made that decision for you, or if you were ever a part of a country club church that said, hey, if you're gonna belong here, you have to do this, but you really didn't even know what you were doing. I want you to make it your own today. I want you to follow the example of Jesus. Do you know that? The one person that didn't need to get baptized, Jesus actually allowed his cousin to baptize him, John the Baptist, to give us an example, to show us what it looks like. I'm gonna have Paige sing a song over you as we respond called In Jesus' Name. And I pray it stirs something deep within you and it gives some of you the courage and boldness you need to make those feet come up here and grab one of these towels. If you didn't come prepared today, no problem. We're prepared. We got clothes for you in the back. So stop making excuses. So let me begin Paige singing this song over us by praying just everybody bow their heads, eyes closed. In Jesus' name, God, I pray. breakthroughs would happen. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would allow healing to take place today. In Jesus' name, I pray that resurrection power would give someone the courage and boldness to finally repent of their sin and come forward and completely surrender their life to you. In Jesus' name, I pray those that have been wounded especially in the church or on the other side of a Christian that had some spiritual authority and how that's messed their mind up. God, misplaced hope will mess our minds up. I pray that you would begin and help them through the power of your Holy Spirit to unravel that chaos, that confusion. In Jesus' name, may your Holy Spirit fall in this place. Amen.